What's going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of the Strong Tower Podcast. Today it's just me again, so you know we'll we'll see what we can do. And you know I've been thinking a lot. So this past weekend we had uh, I trained an MMA fighter, uh, Rebecca the Draft Evans, who will also be on the podcast next week. So she had a fight this past weekend, and she did very well. She she uh, beat the shit out of the girl, but for some reason, I found myself kind of disappointed, but not in her though, in myself because I don't know. I think I saw things that I should have worked on with her. And I'm I'm sitting there and I'm realizing this and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, like that's me, that's on me, you know. And I think more of it was the fact that she was getting tired pretty early. She's very powerful, and we work on power a lot. And yeah, she does she does her endurance stuff, and we do endurance things. But I think we need to work a little bit more on it. But that's just me. I mean, that's just how I felt because during the fight, she would. Go towards the girl and just boom, boom, boom. And then you could tell her starting to slow down. And I'm just like, God, you know. But every single time, you know, she she came out with power, though. You know, it's not like she was just doing that in the first round. She did it all three rounds. And then ended up winning a unanimous decision. Even though that girl she was fighting just wouldn't go down. You know, she really should have won with a knockout. But that girl was just taking hit after hit after hit and just eating them. So props to her. You know, she stuck it out. But, you know, Becca's relentless, you know, when it comes to that stuff. And I'm sure she had in the back of her mind that oh, you, the, the girl didn't show up for face-off. And I'm sure she had in the back of her mind like, oh, that you didn't show up for face-off. I want to beat the shit out of you. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, going to me, watching the watching the fight, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was just kind of disappointed in myself. But then I started thinking on the drive home, like, am I too hard on myself? And because I know that's an issue with me, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of people deal with something like that. Is like, you. You do so. You do something, and you expect yourself to do you to be at a certain point. You know, you may do what the other person expected, and you may do it fine. But to you, you hold a higher standard to yourself that makes you disappointed if you don't reach it, or very uh, satisfied when you do reach it. You know, and for me, I'm myself's worst critic. No one can tell me something that I haven't said to myself over like a thousand times. So that's why, that's a big reason why, like, what people think of me, I don't give a fuck. Because to me, I just don't care. I don't care enough what other people have to think about me. 
So as long as I'm doing what I feel like I should be doing and trust my instincts and uh, do what I need to do to progress with whatever I'm trying to build or or do for myself, it's all that matters. You know, I have a lot of, I do a lot of things by myself. I don't, I rarely have help doing anything, putting anything together. Uh, doing any types of video, doing pictures, whatever. You know, I see people out in the business world and they're getting, like, popular and stuff. And, yeah, because they have a little bit more time because they're also not doing the the videoing or the editing or the uh, coming up with the ideas. They're just kind of going and going with the flow and just doing what has to get done. But with me, I have to do what has to get done, but then also do all the behind-the-scenes shit, you know? And with, when it comes to that, I'm kind of not a perfectionist. It doesn't For me, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to satisfy me, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, I don't know, say I'm editing a video or something like that, and I'll take days to figure out what really, you know, and then sometimes even when I finish it, I'll watch it with people, and people are like, oh, it's so good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, eh. (laughs) You know, I was like, I don't know, it just didn't meet my gratification, you know, it just didn't, it didn't. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard because I know what I feel, but it's hard to put it into words. You know, and I'm sure a lot of you understand what I'm saying. Because you probably go through it too. You know, you're a lot harder on yourself. And and it's okay to be, I, it's okay to be like that, I think. You know, but I also think you have to be able to step back. And appreciate what you have done rather than fully critique yourself and be mad or be upset that something didn't go what you hoped it would. I think hope is the big issue here. I think uh, like with Becca's fight, I hoped she would knock knock her out. Not for me. But for, I know that would help Becca's career a lot more. I think uh, knocking her out in the first round, because this girl was only 1-0, you know, she she's not that experienced. And I think for Becca, who was more experienced, I think if she would have knocked her out in the first round, I think it would have opened people's eyes to a lot more of her skill. And I think that's what I was hoping for. But I also have to remember it's not a race. You know for her to become a professional. Because also. You know I mean. I put in. I put in. A lot of time thinking about what we're going to train. And how we're going to do it. And what it's going to do. And 
you know, I see a lot of that. I see her, she was the, uh, probably not the leanest, but the most muscular I've ever seen her. You know, she, uh, so she definitely, she definitely had the look and she has the power, but it's just about adding that endurance because if she was against someone that was more experienced, you know, and especially with MMA fighters, for some reason, they're not big into like weightlifting and stuff like that. And maybe that that's it. I mean, I think it kind of holds you back from some things in their perspective, but in my perspective, it doesn't. You know, I, I study a lot and I watch a lot of MMA fights and I study it and I see where lifting weights like doing deadlifts or doing squats can help them there's nothing really that you can do to supplement that those things you know no no type of wrestling no type of jujitsu you know sometimes you will have to outpower the person or out strengthen the person you know that technique what if you both had the same skill set it's going to come down to who's who's stronger, who's more powerful. Who can hold their grip tighter? Who can punch harder? You know, and it's my job to make sure that I have all those things covered. You know, it's her other coaches stuff that they can worry about on their own, but I worry about what I need to do. You know, because I also try to get better as a coach, too. You know, like, I'm trying to figure out what's going to give her the edge and what's going to put her above others. So I try and think, what are other people not doing? You know? So, but yeah, that whole thing, it just had me being hard on myself. I don't know if it was being too hard or... I should step back a little bit, but I had a long drive home. I think it was like three-hour drive back home to Delaware from Virginia. And had a long time to think about why I felt that way. So, I mean, I definitely, I'm, I'm always going to be hard on myself. But I think with some things, they're just out of my control. As long as I did my job and I feel like I did do my job. And it's just something else we got to work on. That's all it is. The work never stops. You know, you're never going to have that perfect fight. You're never going to have anything. Nothing's going to be perfect. You know, there's always something to work on. And that's what makes us better as people. Um, what makes you a better athlete. What makes you a better fighter. All these other things. And we just got to keep working and that's what my conclusion came down to was, you know, I just had to learn. I was learning. That was my biggest thing, you know. I was learning from what I from what we've done. So I was saying, okay, let's let's work on this next time for the next one. You know, so keep her power, but then also increase her her ability to use that power. Increase this and increase the length of time that she can be able to use that power. Because I also think uh, she could have paced herself a little bit better. 
but she she just thought the same thing as me. She was thinking knockout. And she saw that. She knocked her down once, and she saw the opening, and she just kept going for it. She saw the girl wasn't really protecting herself, didn't really keep her hands up too much. And she was going after her every single time. But, she, but doing that, too, she was also... Uh, releasing so much energy and using so much power that it was just like making her tired you know so luckily the other girl didn't know enough uh maybe like ground game or anything to like try and take her down and just really like wear her out on the ground so she was worn up she was worn out standing up you know but yeah so that was Saturday night. It was a great fight. She won by unanimous unanimous decision. And, you know, I'm sure you guys, everyone listening, y'all, y'all will hear more about it when she's on the podcast. You'll hear what she was, what was going through her mind and stuff like that. So, it'll be a good talk. But yesterday, it was, yeah, today's October 2nd. So, Yesterday was October 1st, and was my dog Ziva's gotcha day. So gotcha day is the day that we got her. You know, she has her birthday, and then she has the day that uh, we adopted her. And uh, we saved her. I think she was, like, in some, like, her and her litter were found in, in a... Um, trash bin or something in Georgia and then they were shipped to an adoption agency in Delaware so I found her online and I was told my wife I was like hey let's go look at these dogs blah 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 knowing for sure in the back of my mind that you know if we liked it enough we're gonna get it right there and then you know so uh so we did that so we went to this adoption people, which was kind of weird because it was out of a house. But I guess the adoption people were somewhere different and they brought the dogs to the house and then we bought the dogs from that those people. Um, yeah, I don't know. But so, yeah, so. She ended up having the parvovirus. So, parvovirus is very deadly to puppies. And we had had her for about two or three days. And I can remember it clear as day because I bought her this bone that had like peanut butter in it. And uh, then she got sick after. And I thought it was me. I was devastated. Because I thought it's something that I bought her and I gave her that's making her like this, you know. She was she was not eating. Her stomach was huge. Uh, and she was, I had to, I bought a baby bottle to like squeeze like water into her mouth. And every time she drank water, she would just throw it up. So we took her to two different vets. We took her to an emergency vet at first, and then we took her to, uh, which they tested for parvo. It came back negative. Uh, Then we took her to another vet. They said, oh, come back in two weeks. You came back negative, blah, blah, blah. I was like, something's just not right, you know. Uh, 
So then, you know, she was just getting worse. I think it went like five days, maybe four. No, not that long. I think it was like four or five days, probably. That uh, she was still sick. She was still. She was getting worse. She wasn't eating. And I can hold her in like the palm of my hand. You know, I think she was like four or five pounds. And you know, I look back at pictures and I do see how big her stomach was. But at first, I've never. This is my first dog I've had by myself. I've had dogs with my family and stuff, but I was so young, like I wasn't taking care of the dog like that. You know. It, the dog was always attached to my dad's hip, and my dad and my mom always took care of the dog. But growing up, like I never took one, took care of one of my own, so I had no idea what I was looking for. I didn't know that was, I didn't know her stomach was big, you know. And it turns out it was filled with worms. So we took her to a third vet, and it was an emergency vet. And right away, they said, uh, we need to take her in now. And I was like, oh, shit. So we did that. I remember standing outside because they made us stand outside because they were like, we don't know if she's contagious, blah, blah, blah. Because if she has parvo, she can be contagious. So I'm sitting there. I'm holding her in my uh, on my chest. Meanwhile, she's like shitting down my shirt, like all liquid and stuff like that. And... Uh, me and my wife are just like, just devastated, just upset and just sad. And, you know, we tried to have this happy moment of buying a, our first dog together after we moved into the house and everything. And, and then it turns out like that, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. People say, oh, Oh, it's just a pet, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not, man. It's so different with a dog. A dog is like having a kid. You know? The dog, tell me this is not a kid. Wakes me up in the middle of the night. Barks all the fucking time. Uh, Barks when she's hungry. Barks when she wants me to play. Barks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was waking up two, three times a night. There was times where I was clean. I woke up at 3 or 4 in the morning to go to the gym to train someone. And I I came to check on Ziva. And she had shit all up in her crate. She was covered in it. And I felt so awful. I felt like an awful parent. You know? So I I canceled my client. I was like, my dog just is mass, like, so sick. (laughs) So... You know, I had to do that multiple times, you know. Yeah, it may not be the same as a kid, but it's pretty damn close. You know what I mean? I don't care if you think I'm wrong. I don't give a fuck. But to me, like, this girl is the world to us. You know what I mean? So, anyway. And I think going through that in the beginning just made it that much more special. You know? The fact that we shoveled out thousands and thousands of dollars that we didn't have to save this dog's life. After we've known her for two or three days. That's how much she meant to us. I would have done it. I would do it again. I would do it over and over again. I have no regrets of doing that. And so we took her to this emergency vet. And 
she, uh, oh, they said, um, oh, we need to take her in right away. So they took her in and they hospitalized her for like a week. So every night they would call and give us updates. And we were like, me and my wife were just like crossing our fingers and praying that it was something good. They had good news, you know? And, uh, cause they had to feed her through a tube. They had to give her like, uh, different medications and all this kind of stuff and just get rid of every, everything that's in there, you know? And, you know, after that week, we finally got to bring her home. She was fine. Everything was good. She was eating. She was, you know, she gained weight like that. Like she got it back so quick and come to find out, they told us like, if you would have waited another day, it would, we wouldn't have been able to do what we did. And that blew me away, you know. I couldn't have had that happen. I think that would have been hard for us, you know. Uh, and I, I don't know what happened to the other dogs in the litter. But I'm sure some of them probably died, you know, because we weren't told about the whole parvo thing when we adopted her and we tried calling back the adoption agency and no one answered you know we weren't calling to complain we were calling to warn whoever had bought a dog that day or from that litter you know to understand what they have you know so uh so yeah and that was, it's been three years since we've gotten her, and she's crazy as anything, you know? You can tell she's getting older and getting lazier, and that's partly on me because I'm the one that takes her out and stuff, and I get real busy during the week. So it's hard for me to, like, go to the park and stuff like that, and plus I hate people, so... <laughs> I don't like small talk in the park, you know, and then having a dog, the dog's going to go up to the other dog, which makes me have to talk to the person, and it's just irritating. That's why I go, I go like five or six in the morning when the sun first starts to come up, and then we got the whole park to myself, ourselves, you know, and then uh, I'll probably run into like an old person or something on the way out, and that doesn't, that's whatever, you know, if it's on the way out, I'm fine. You know, I'm not really, uh, you know, I think Ziva kind of takes my uh, personality too because there's dogs where she'll let them know she don't like them. You know, she seems vicious at first, and uh, but she just wants the dog to stay away from her. That's all she wants, you know, but I've been yelled at and stuff because they think my dog is going to attack. I'm like, I'm telling you, she's not going to. She's not going to attack your dog. But, you know, I don't blame the other person. Uh, because they don't know my dog, so they have no idea. But every single year when this comes, this time comes around and, like, it's her birthday, it's her gotcha day, you know, I always just, like, think back to those beginning moments. And uh, I think it's just having this dog, man, like, she's something special. She's different, you know, so much different than just having a dog. I don't know. I mean, it's the fact that it's me and my wife's first dog together. And right after we have got, we got a house, 
and you know, uh, and then the the whole Parvo thing happened, and you know, I mean, but I believe it all happened for a reason. I really do. And uh, you know, she takes care of my wife. Um, like my wife was trying to teach her to, uh, like if my wife had a seizure on the floor or something and her head was banging against the floor, uh, she was seeing, cause she saw a video on that, I guess. So she was going to see what Ziva would do. It took, it took Ziva a little while, but you know what she did was she slid under her, my wife's head without being trained or anything in that. We just wanted to see what she would do. And that's what she did. I was like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> she did exactly what that dog did in the video. Yeah, it took her a little bit to understand what's going on because she gets distracted by me and stuff because, like, we're really close because I I trained her. I did everything with her. I disciplined her. When we first got her, she couldn't walk outside. You know, she wouldn't go walk down the sidewalk. I had to teach her how. <laughs> Placing a treat after treat after treat for her to walk and come grip come get it and every single day we gradually went farther and you know so it's been cool like uh having raised something like that and you know um I don't train her to be a circus dog so she's not gonna roll over she's not gonna put her paw on your hand when you ask for it you know what I'm saying I don't need to do that dumb shit I need her to protect my house and I need her to protect my wife and do what I say I don't need her to fucking walk a tightrope or some bullshit you know what I'm saying so I hate when people come over my house oh Paul Paul no motherfucker she don't give you no she's not a fucking clown this ain't the circus man she don't need your fucking Paul like, I don't know. It may seem, like, petty, but it's just the way I feel. I don't know. You can teach your dog whatever you want. You know, for me, that's just how I feel about my own dog. Not about yours. But, but yeah, so that was yesterday. And um, she got all the treats. And, you know, uh, we went for walks and different things like that yesterday. But so I don't know if any of you watched the podcast with uh, with Mike and Alex, but towards the end of it, like we were talking about uh, different like serial killers and stuff like that, and I brought up the show Mindhunter, which I've never seen before. But then I just so I just now started watching it because uh, Mike said it was really good, so I was like, okay. Uh, He's really into that stuff, so if he thinks it's really good, like, I gotta check it out, you know? So, I got into it, and now I'm just, like, balls deep. I'm balls deep into it. Like, I can't miss... I mean, the first season I binged because, like, I was off work, and... uh. I wasn't really doing anything that day, so I binged the whole first season, and then, uh, so the second season I'm still on, I just finished episode 5 last night, 
And, dude, this show, I love this show. <laughs> you know, um, I love real life stuff. I love, yeah, the show itself's not real life, but it's a based it's based solely on true events. You know, there's some people that are made up in it, but it's just to make the show, you know. But the main character is based off another guy. And he did all that stuff. He interviewed Ed Kempner, the co-ed killer. He interviewed Charles Manson. You know, all that stuff to get into the minds of those guys to see why. To see what makes them do the things they did. You know? And the big thing with Charles Manson is that he didn't really kill anyone. But he's the most infamous, like, serial killer. But he didn't kill one person. Which is weird. But, I mean, I have my own thoughts on that. And I'm not trying to stick up for Charles Manson. Or I'm not trying to defend him. Because he's a sick dude, man. Like... But I understand those people were probably on drugs and stuff, you know. But how do you, but as a person, how do you let someone run your life the way they did? I don't care what, I don't care how charming he was. I don't care uh, what he did, what he said to you to make you do the things you did. Like, why? You have your own free will. You can make your own decisions. You know what I mean? So those women and that guy that killed people, you know, they're all blaming Manson. I'm like, yeah, he's part part to blame, but mostly to blame is your fucking self. You're going to let someone control your your life like that? That makes no sense to me. I can never I can never follow someone to that you know, I don't follow people in the first place. You know, I take advice and an insight from people, but I'm not gonna fucking go to and follow you to the ends of the earth. No matter what you do, I'm gonna help you do it or I'm gonna do what you say, blah blah blah. I don't do that shit. So how, as a person, can you allow yourself to do that? That's always what I was wondering. You know, like I've heard, I've heard interviews from the women and from the guy, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just blows my mind. I don't know why. Like, and you can't, it can't just be drugs. You know, there's something more to it. I guess it's people that were just looking for something and they saw Charles as like a father figure or something that they just want to do the best they can for that. You know, I wouldn't even do that shit for my dad. Are you kidding me? <laughs> my own dad, if he asked me to do something like that. Or do something in general. I usually never even did it. So I don't know. But yeah the show itself. It uh, it changed the way that they find people now. 
Like now you can't really get away with too much. You know, because eventually I think they're going to find you. Just because of like all that stuff they've learned from those those cases and those and interviewing those people and what goes through their minds. You know, what's what's going through your head when you're thinking that way, you know? And you know what's funny is a lot of them have in common, they all turn themselves in pretty much. Because guess what? Other than that, they wouldn't have been caught. But as a serial killer, you're so invested into yourself, you know, and you want that attention that it's just like Ted, Ted Bundy. You know, Ted Bundy escaped, but guess what? He came back. <laughs> he came back, and then then they arrested him. He could have been gone, you know. But yeah, he ended up coming back. The first time he escaped prison, he ended up coming back. He just couldn't. He couldn't be out of out of people's minds. You know, he wanted people to think about him all the time. And see him on TV and hear about his, his name and stuff like that. You know, I think that's what most serial killers are like. But it's a very interesting show, you know. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to go to sleep after watching it. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's it's really interesting. It's interesting to see the minds, the mind work. You know, because you never know what's going through someone's mind and why it does that. Why are they thinking the way they do? You know? Like, I'm trying to think about, like, something that I thought about. And I'm like, ooh, why did I think that? You know, you ever you ever think about something and then you're just like, what the fuck? What was I thinking? Like, why was I thinking about that? Um, like with me, I was never, it had nothing to do with violence. I never thought about that. Uh, I don't know. The only thing I could think about is like, I was, but it's not like really like that. But I think about like when I was playing sports, I would think about, and I'll try and visualize myself out there doing what I want to do. You know what I mean? Like if I was playing soccer, I visualized myself, hey, making this move and then doing that. When I get the ball here, what am I gonna what am I gonna do? That kind of thing. But then during the game I end up not doing it. <laughs> so it's just, it's just pointless. But it's nothing like that, but I don't I don't know. But I'm sure like like with me, I guess I have um, I have this drive. I have this drive to to be something. Just because I feel like no one ever really thought I was gonna be I would be anything. Uh, growing up, I felt worthless. I felt like no one gave a fuck what I did or like what I was doing or whatever. I felt like people tried to um, kind of make things up in their minds to make them proud of me or whatever. But I knew they weren't. 
you know, I knew they weren't uh, really proud of me or I know they care about me and stuff, but I just wasn't doing anything to make anyone proud of me. And I think I really, growing up, I think I really want that. You know, of course you get your grandparents and your parents, you know, they always say, oh yeah, we're proud of you, blah, blah, blah. But again, that's my mentality, like, I'm hard on myself, so I'm like, no, you're fucking not, you know. Because I'm not proud of myself yet. I'm proud of my work ethic and my drive and the willingness to uh, be consistent and keep moving forward and progressing. But other than that, like, I'm really not proud of myself yet. You know, I have a goal in my mind that one day, if I achieve it, or when I achieve it, I will be proud of myself. Because I started from nothing. And I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to build something from the ground up. You know, I don't want to live a simple life working a nine to five, which I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not what I want. It's not. I Honestly, I can't stand working for people because they're idiots. You know, everyone in authority thinks that it's shit and it's fucking annoying. I can't stand it. And you're probably listening right now like, yeah, man, I know what you I know what you mean. Yeah, because it's every single job. There's rarely there's rarely a job where the authority like helps you. And they don't understand that when you're in authority, you have more responsibility. There's a reason you get paid more. Because you have to have more responsibility. But guess what? I believe when you're an authority, you should also help the people under you. You know, because that's how you gain respect. You know, you don't gain respect by being a fucking asshole and a dickhead. You know what I mean? Like, in every job I've had, pretty much, I've had something like that. You know? They're not usually like that towards me. uh, Because they don't want to get in my face. But I've seen them act that way towards other people. And it's just annoying. I'm like, why don't you help people out, man? If you want to be a supervisor, you want to be a manager or whatever, like, take the initiative and act like it. You know? Especially if it's if you're an owner. An owner, you, you're the highest person up, man. That's your thing. So it's up to you, not just to fucking own the place, but to know who's working for you and to and to build something within your company or your store or whatever and build your employees up, man. Do something for them. Try and make them better. Just because you're the owner of the store doesn't mean shit. It's what you do with it that means everything. 
You can't rely on and you can't complain why it's not doing well when you're not doing anything for it. You just own it. You're just the money. I don't know. For me, that's just annoying. I hate working for people. I've always wanted to be my own boss and do my do things my way. You know? But also, if I had an employee and I'm seeing like, huh, maybe they have an idea here. You know, they come to me with something or like I'm always going to keep an open mind. And that's one of my biggest things. Like keeping it, keeping an open mind is very important in all of life. You know why? Because it keeps you grounded. You don't get too stuck into one thing and you don't you're not going to be fighting everyone that comes at you with a different idea. You know, you see this a lot with politics, you see it with religion, all this other shit. You know, people don't have an open mind. They can't sit there and I can't tell someone what I believe because they're going to get mad. Okay, why are you getting mad then? Just because I don't believe what you believe? That's dumb. That's not how the world works. You know, we're all here from different places, from different walks of life, different experiences. You know, we've all been through our own shit. And when you hear someone else's, you can't get mad at it. You can't judge it. You know, you got to keep an open mind and try and understand it. Ask them why. Ask them how, how they felt during that shit. You know, I'm a man who has, it's kind of, I mean, for someone that doesn't understand, it's kind of complicated, but I have a very strong faith. I have a very strong relationship with Jesus Christ. And for me, yeah, it's the Christian belief, but the reason I don't like calling myself a Christian is because of the way Christians act. You know, they're very close-minded, and I hate to put them in a group, but that's that's the majority. You know what I mean? And they take the Bible too literally, and they they see a verse and they hold on to it like like fucking white on rice. You know what I mean? They see a verse in the Bible and they just like grasp onto it and then everything that's said, they oh what what about this verse? Blah blah blah. God says this. I'm like, does he though? What's the context? Just because the words are there, he's more complicated than that. You know? But I have. I mean, I've had conversations. Uh I just had one the other day with someone. Who, I forget what she said she was. I don't know. Uh, but we had different beliefs. You know? I've talked to plenty of people with um, that have different beliefs than me, you know? And I fully try and understand it. Because it also comes from their experience. You know? Why do you... Uh... That's one of the questions I ask. Is like... 
why what made you what what brought you to believing that you know and i told her that with me like yeah i grew up in christian school my whole life you know i did all that stuff but there was a point in my life where i was tired of it being shoved down my throat i was sick of it and i tried to get past that and i tried to like you know And at that point, I didn't really have anything. I didn't believe in nothing. You know? For me, I I was just living my life. I didn't have faith in anything, you know? But, you know, life went on. I still lived. I still did things, you know? And I was still working and all that kind of stuff. But then, somewhere on the line, like, I was just feeling this emptiness, And this was just like a couple years ago. I felt this emptiness. I felt this. uh, I don't know. Just like this. This want for something. And I could not figure out what it was. You know. I couldn't figure out what it was. And then. uh, I can't remember the day or the time. Or like how it happened. Or why it happened. But. For some reason, like, I just, I went back to, I went back to God because, for me, that's what I needed. And I knew I needed it after the just the first couple of days. I felt better. I, was, I wasn't angry anymore. I felt all the burdens I had on me taken off me. I felt stress-free. I felt more loving. I felt happier. You know, yeah, my face might not tell it, but I am. I'm really happy. I'm happy with what I have. I appreciate everything I have. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's what just brought me to that. And ever since then, like I've had a I've had this strong relationship with Christ and it just it means everything to me. But if someone's not like that, it does not. It doesn't matter. It's okay. (laughs) You don't have to believe what I believe. You do have different experiences. I'm not going to force nothing down your throat. The only way I tell you anything is if you ask me. I'm not that kind of person that just like walks up to your door. Hey, did you hear about God? I'm not going to say that. What's Jesus done for you lately? You know, I'm not going to do that shit. You know, but if you ask me about my relationship with Christ, I'm going I'm to tell you. I'm going to tell you what he's done for me. And it's up to you if you want to do that or not, you know. But, I mean, yeah, that's part of just having an open mind. And that was just an example And I can argue a lot better with people because I have an open mind. 